So during the late 1800s, a group of very wise people came together. A thought began. Um, as far back as we can trace it, we trace it back to Phineas Quimby as one of the first founding minds of the New Thought movement. And unity is one of three primary branches of New Thought. And a, a different way of perceiving spirit came to be. And that's only a couple hundred years ago. Not very long. We're a relatively young, burgeoning movement in the world compared to other things that have been around for Hinduism, 5,000 years. Yeah, we're a baby can, compared to that. We also are a movement that evolves quickly because of the way we think and what we do. So we're not very dogmatic. We don't have a whole set of things that you have to believe. Yeah, right? <laughs> Many of us are here for that reason. <clears throat> we have some basic ideas that we share and we gather around. And our particular community within that movement is unique in that we're so diverse. Our particular mission in every Unity Church, and there are about 800 around the world, every Unity community develops its own mission. You heard ours at the beginning, or you may have said it. We're an inclusive spiritual community. We're an inclusive spiritual community where we recognize and express our oneness with our creator and all creation. So there are two really big words in there that are very key to what we do every week, every gathering, every class. We practice inclusivity and explore what that means, and we work to understand what oneness means, both oneness with what is holy and oneness with all of creation, which is each other, nature, all of the world. That's what we're doing here. That's the purpose around which this particular community gathers. We are in line with what you saw earlier in the purpose of Unity Worldwide Ministries in that we are an evolving community looking to be part of the transformational process that's going on in the world right now. And it's happening quickly, very quickly. And part of what is moving that transformation around, happening, moving it forward, is our understanding of oneness, our understanding that we are interconnected with all things, that what we think and what we feel and what we do does not just affect us as individuals, but it affects everything. And we've been talking about this all month as we studied the topic, topic of interconnectedness. What I want to talk to you about today is that concept of transformation. But I want to move back first because we begin operating from a belief that we were taught very young. We have been taught that our first primary directive is our survival instinct, that we first operate from the reptilian brain and that the reptilian brain moves us forward. It keeps us breathing. And we know some of this is true, right? It makes us breathe. It takes care of our bodily stuff. And it protects us. Our reptilian brain teaches us from that we have our fight or flight response. We survive. We are here to survive. That's what we've been believing, that we're here to survive. And there are some instinctive things that happen around that 
that directive. So for example, how many of you have children or grandchildren? Okay. Or have cared for young children? That would count too. Okay, so how many of you have ever had trouble getting young children to eat green leafy vegetables? (laughs) Do you know that that is a biological mandate? Do you know that? Do you know it is a biological mandate because many, many, many eons ago, our ancestors lived in the wild. And in the wild, you couldn't eat everything you came across. Children would get very sick and potentially die or harm themselves because plants have natural defense toxins and um, also have thorns and prickly things that can hurt you. So the science tells us the reason our children don't eat green leafy vegetables is because they carry a biological message from that time that says this could be dangerous to them. Interesting, isn't it? See, you were trying so hard, no wonder it didn't work. Had nothing to do with bad parenting. (laughs) Our children have a biological directive that says, I'm not sure that's safe. So they resist it. What is being studied right now is how that how we're adapting to that survival. So we are adapting in that children now live in safe environments. And they have their, they, we all are careful about what plants and things we allow our children around. They're not exposed to as much. So science says we should be able to get, get them to eat vegetables more easily because we as a race will adapt. It takes a certain amount of time to do that. We have a, another directive that's important to consider. We have an, a directive called fight or flight. And that directive says survival is the most important thing. And if I am threatened, I am either going to run or I'm going to stand up and box somebody, right? And it's natural. It comes, we, we think that we have no control over this. So in our world today, we don't have as many reasons to use that as our ancestors did. We're not likely to be attacked by a bear. We're not likely. Most of us know what to do. We limit where we go. When we're out in the wild, we're prepared. It's not our natural everyday state. Simply by statistical time in the woods, we're probably safe from being attacked. We don't have neighboring tribes who are coming for our food in most cases, correct? Most of us have food, have clothing, have shelter. We're not having to fight for survival, but we still believe that we are directed by our fight and flight response. We still put a lot of our thought into that. Are there times that we need it? Yes. Are there as many times that we need it as we use it? No. So for example, consider that you're trying to get a job, that you want to get a promotion, and after weeks of interviewing and going through the whole process, you don't get the job. So if you allow your fight or flight to kick in, what are you going to do? You're going to go raging into the boss's office, especially if you believe that if you don't get this job, you can't make enough money. You're going to go raging in and scream and yell, or you're going to pack up the box, take your stuff, and go home, aren't you? We use our fight and flight response in a very different way. We have 
adopted, adapted to it. And most of us are at the point where we can control how we're going to use it. Most of us can accept that we didn't get the job, can accept that what we were waiting for didn't quite happen. Most of us are learning how to slow ourselves down enough to do things differently. We believe that these impulses can't be changed. That this is how we are. This is how we develop. This is how we are. And so I want to invite you into the possibility that we could be at the cutting edge of making things different. That maybe we don't have to live so much in survival. We don't believe that. You know why we don't believe that? Because three quarters of our planet is suffering with starvation. Three quarters of the people on the planet don't have enough food. Wow. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? Three quarters of the people, you know what's even more amazing? According to a recent study by McGill University and the University of Minnesota working in tandem on this, according to a recent um, study by those two universities, we make enough food on the planet to feed 10 million people, 10 billion people. Do you know how many people there are on the planet? 7 billion. We have enough food to feed 10 billion people. Why aren't we? Greed. Okay, maybe. But if we operate from the belief that most people are driven by good, that the majority of us, if you look around this room, show me who's greedy enough that they won't feed someone else in the room. There's not going to be one in this room, is there? That if somebody was hungry, wouldn't share their food. So operating from, the, from what we understand here at Unity, which is that we emerge from God and we basically operate from the good, why are we not feeding people? Because we are living with a different idea. We're living in a belief that says we have to survive and that we have to watch our own lives to make sure that we do survive. We have to compete with one another. We're living with a lot of different fears. We're as afraid of living as we are of dying. Right? We're very afraid of dying. We're even more afraid that if we don't do everything right, we're not going to live right. Someone will think something bad about us. Maybe we won't have quite enough money. Maybe... We won't get to play enough. Maybe we'll work all of our lives. Maybe we won't make a difference. Maybe we won't say the right thing, do the right thing, be the right, whatever the right is. We are so busy worrying about those things that we're, we're not sending our energy out to do the things that we could do. And there's, we do a lot to keep ourselves on this track, don't we? We have television shows, we have, we have radio shows, we have newspapers, we have conversations with each other. We do a lot to convince ourselves that we're not safe. And there's wars going on on the planet. There are volcanoes going off. There's all kinds of stuff happening. We're not safe. When we believe we're not safe... We operate from survival. When we begin to put our focus on how safe we are, 
all the rest of our abilities come to the forefront. Because when you're living in fear, your brain moves to its primary centered reptilian operating system. But if you can combat fear and come to a place of stability, you have the full use of your emotional aspects and your reasoning aspects. And we need those to figure out how we get 10,000 food for 10 billion people spread out around the world. How do we get it to them? How much, who needs what? What else do they need? How are they going to keep it? We have these resources. The idea that, that we're not feeding people because of scarcity is a lie. Our scarcity is not of resource. Our scarcity is of reason. And so is it important to let go of your fear? You saw it in the video from Unity Worldwide Ministries. Our ability to master our fear and to move to a place where we have strong faith that we are part of one presence, one power, moving in the world is really valuable and important right now. It didn't happen by accident that a couple hundred years ago this movement was started. 126 years, 27 years. didn't happen by accident. It happened on purpose because we are needed right now in the interconnected web of life. How we think and what we know is needed. And it's our time to make a difference. So you watch a video like this where unity is charging us with being leaders at the transformative edge of life. And you think, well, we're just a little community of a couple hundred people. How much can we really do? Yeah. How much can we really do? We're 800 people wide on our email list. That's a pretty sizable group of people. So how do we do? How, what do we start? Yes. Are we helping West Side Cares? Yes, we're helping West Side Cares in wonderful ways. Brenda will tell you more about that later on. We're doing some things. And I want to invite you into a focus. I want you to close your eyes. And I want to invite you to consider for yourself what you think you're short of in life. What are you lacking? Now, you might feel like you have everything you need. Maybe what you're lacking is time to play. Maybe you're working too hard. Maybe what you're lacking is a vacation to see someone you miss. Maybe what you're lacking is money. Maybe what you're lacking is health. Maybe what you're lacking is calm, a sense of peace. Maybe what you're lacking is an ability to be a certain way. Maybe you're struggling. Just notice, because we all have a story, and understand this is your story. There is a story for you of something that you would like to have more of in your life. Consider what that is. Everybody got something? Okay, now, what I want you to do is forget about you for a minute and imagine that the other people in this room need this blessing, that they have the same belief. And I want you to allow spirit to fill your heart 
And I simply want you to notice that you have the ability to spread a blanket of whatever that is through this entire room. Bless every person in this room with that gift. The thing you think there isn't enough of, because just trust me, there's plenty. So I want you to spread that out. Give them the gift, the blessing of health and well-being. Give them the gift and blessing of love, the gift and blessing of compassionate hearing, the gift and blessing of time, the gift and blessing of resource, food, money, clothing, whatever they need, the gift and blessing of energy, of courage, of strength, of compassion, of joy. Let it flow from your heart out to bless every person in this room. Just notice how easily that flows from you and gently open your eyes. So we can bless each other. How many of you felt that move from you? Yeah? We can bless each other. We can send because we are God expressing. From our heart as God expressing, we extend that field of gift, don't we? We extend to each other because we know we can. So let me ask you something. If you gave it to someone else, does that lead you to the idea that you might have it too? But what you were sending was what you think you don't have. Right? But you were able to send it out. Can you claim it for yourself too? Can you claim it? See, we will create for someone else. We will because it's our nature, our good nature, to create for someone else. We have to be able to bless ourselves first. We have to be able to bless here. So now I want you to close your eyes again. Now remember, we were all busy blessing, weren't we? So nobody in the room was receiving because we were all busy blessing. So I want you to imagine that up at the top at this nice pointy peak is a beautiful glistening gold field. It's just all those blessings we just put out in the room because they came out from all of us and none of us were taking them in. And this is the thing. We often are so busy blessing that we forget to receive what is being offered. In fact, we don't believe the world is sending it to us. But the world is. Because the world is comprised of beautiful, loving hearts. We are safe to be in the presence of other human beings. So notice that beautiful field. And as easy as you sent it out from your heart, I want you to breathe into your heart. Take a nice deep breath in. And receive. And breathe again. And receive. And keep breathing. Because there's a lot of blessings in this room. 
Let yourself receive the gifts of your community. Gently open your eyes. We come in here together every week. Many of us come every week. And we hug each other and we talk to each other and we share stories. We ask about things. We check in on each other. And in the time that we're doing that, we forget that we're receiving blessings. So I was explaining, I may have said this to you guys last week, if you wiggle your fingers, you can do anything you want, can't you? We can pick things up, we can do all kinds of things with our fingers. Very rarely do we consider that our fingers are connected to our elbow. But if nothing connected our fingers to all of this mechanism in here, would we be able to move our fingers? No. This is what happens with us when we come in. We hug each other, we love each other, we bless each other, and we forget that we're all connected. The part of the reason we can do all the things that we do is because we're all connected to each other. So these hugs, these blessings, these kind words, these compassionate hearings that we share with one another, they matter. Because we have a big job on the planet right now. We have a job to think clearly and to be part of the transformative solution to the things that need care on our planet, to the people, to the animals, to the life. We have the responsibility to be on the cutting edge of that. In order to do that, we have to be safe. And our batteries have to be full. And our batteries get filled by all that we receive from one another. By our love, by our care, by our concern. So it's very important when you come here to let your batteries get full. To know what you're coming for. You may be challenging, you may be facing personal challenges on your own, or you may be helping other people through those challenges. But if your battery is dead, you can't help yourself or anybody else. So you have to be aware of what you're connected to, right? All it takes to be aware is putting your focus there. I am going on Sunday to receive the love of my community, to give the love back to my community, to share in the blessings and empower myself to go out and be a trans, an agent of transformation on the planet. That is why we're here. That is what we're doing. And we are engaged in this great social experiment of being able to do that with many people in this room of different ages, with people in this room of many different religious backgrounds, spiritual but not religious, all different kinds of ways of interpreting what is holy and divine. We're coming from different lifestyles, from entirely different histories, from different economic brackets. And in all of that, we're still engaged in one thing, transformation. And just what if the most important thing you're doing in your life is this? What if all that other stuff we think is the most important stuff we're doing in our life is only there to give us the stage in which to transform? What if this little community we are 
is way out on the cutting edge, the pinpoint start of an evolutionary process that will make the world a different place. And what if that little pinpoint start that we are, if you could see it 100 years from now, would mean that all the people on the planet had what they needed? What if it's that important that you put down your fear and stand in your faith that you are connected to oneness, to what is holy, that you truly are God-expressing, that everything you think and do and feel is changing everything. It is. I have some quotes for you. Nia people said, life is a moving, breathing thing. We have to be willing to constantly evolve. Perfection is constant transformation. Joseph Campbell said, when we quit thinking primarily about ourselves and our own self-preservation, we undergo a truly heroic transformation of consciousness. Barbara DeAngelis said, the journey between what you once were and who you are now becoming is where the dance of life really takes place. Ramana Maharishi said, correcting oneself is correcting the whole world. The sun is simply bright. It does not correct anyone. Because it shines, the whole world is full of light. Transforming yourself is a means of giving light to the whole world. And Anodea Judith said, the cultural transformation from the love of power to the power of love is the drama of our time. 